Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host Shane Lee. This is the first interview of the Monaco series where we went to Monaco for the Grand Prix and I was very honoured and to meet for the first time, even though we grew up in the same city of Wollongong, he being the Wollongong whiz kid and uh, he showed me back then when I was at school that uh, the world was a lot bigger than just Wollongong and I should dream bigger and thank goodness I did. Um, nothing wrong with Wollongong but it was uh, a man that showed me that uh, anyone from where we grew up could achieve anything. He definitely did that. He's a former professional motorcycle and touring car racer. He competed in, in the 500cc Grand Prix from 1983 to 1992, recording 102 starts, 18 wins and 51 podiums. 50% of the time he raced in the 500cc, he ended up on the podium. Post motorcycle racing, he raced touring cars from 1993 to 2002, best finish of sixth in 2001. He now lives in Monaco in France and is a property developer. And as they say, fruit doesn't fall too far from the tree. And his two sons, Remy and Luca, both been successful in motorsports. Here's the Wollongong Whiz Kid. I really hope you enjoy this interview with Wayne Gardner. With great pleasure, I want to introduce an Aussie legend, a guy that grew up in the same town as me, Wollongong, um, Wayne Gardner, former professional Grand Prix motorcycle and touring car racer. Welcome, Wayne. Thank you. Thank you very much, Shane. It's a pleasure to see you here, not in Wollongong, but in Monaco. Well, mate, you know, there's only two people that I know of that had the keys, keys to Wollongong. It's you and me. Well, we are privileged. Um, I'm not sure, sure the, the locks are the same, but I've got a key this big. You've probably got a key this big, have you? Well, how big is it? Is it big? Oh, that it is big. It is, so mate. how big is it? Well, it's pretty big, mate. It goes all right. But I'll tell you what, um, do you know what that means? Apparently, if you have the key to a city, mm. you're allowed to walk a flock of sheep down the street without a any recourse. Sheep? A, yeah, a flock of sheep? A flock of sheep. Flock of fucking sheep, is it? That's it, mate. Uh, so maybe we'll do that one day. Yeah, let's do that together. Yeah, that'd be good, mate. With our keys, yeah. Mate, firstly, um, we're really privileged to be here in Monaco. You actually live here now? Yes, I've been here a long time, uh, since 1986. Okay. Uh, when I first started my Grand Prix career, um, many, many, many moons ago. Um, and I've been privileged to be here for a long time. And uh, I left a very short period, and then I'm back here now. Uh, um, I went back to Australia and raised my two um, beautiful kids, yeah. two beautiful boys, Remy and Luca, and uh, they gathered up an interest for motorbikes and came back to Europe, to Spain, and and from there, uh, from there I got divorced, and then from divorced I come up here and been back here since. So it's a, it's a pleasure to be here, and and I'm proud of it. You know, it's a now, great place. And we all we all understand you're a MotoGP guy. We're here for the Formula One. But yeah. For th- was Monaco, in, in your opinion, was it such a main event in, in the Formula One circuit? Uh, look, I think there's a, a, a big historic um, yeah. trail on, on this whole thing. It started, I don't know how many years, but a long, 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 long time. 1929, I think it kicked 1929, off. 1929, yeah. there you go. Yeah. So um, it was cobbled roads and so on around here at oh, that right. point. It's obviously changed over the years to uh, keep up with the technology of the vehicles. Um, you know, it's it's a, in the it's a street track. Um it's very uh, a very beautiful place, as you know. Um, it's a tax haven here, and it's yeah. uh, an amazing palace. And the Prince Albert is up on the hill here. Um, it's a great pleasure to be here. I'm very proud of it. And um, they have some great, not only Formula One, but they have other great sporting events here. Um, it's 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 continuous throughout the year 
on all this platform You're over here just in down the here, they bring yeah. in the, 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 the they bring in show horse jumping. show jumping and max chopping yeah. and uh, ice skating and uh, circuses uh, uh, Christmas specials uh, ice rings yep. uh, it goes on and on and on you know so the place is very very versatile they're very clever people here and to be able to put on so many entertaining events and to get the people into the city the city brings um, tourism money and the, the city gets bigger mate reading doing a bit of research for the podcast and reading through your achievements you know from 987 you won your first 500cc right through to having your own team to touring cars is, is, there, is there a moment or, or an or event or, or a win that stands out most for you in bikes or cars or well, well either mate oh uh, look without a doubt one of the pinnacle events for me is obviously the two Phillip Island yeah. victories yeah. in 89 and 90. Yeah. Um, the, the, set, the, the first one was really special because it was the first race and, and the event was put on because uh, Bob Barnard, um, the, the promoter, came to me saying, oh, look, I want to build a, a track out of, uh, uh, down at Phillip Island and an old goat track that's there. Yes. And I thought he was a lunatic. And uh, <laughs> he said, come down and have a look, which I did. And um, I just laughed and said it was it was over it was run over and gra- grass was going through and there was sheep all over the place and I said oh you'll never build something out of this it's a good layout but I said you'll never be able to do this in time because he did it under 12 months wow so which was quite a, a feat yeah. and he said you he said I'll go ahead and build the track and you go on and do all the marketing and promotion and I want to get this across with the government support and funding and of course it you went did. from there and yeah. and we did it and of course then then the icing on the cake was to go and um, win the win the first race, and yeah, and on top of that, I won the second race with a with a broken wrist at the time, uh, which I broke uh, two weeks before in Czechoslovakia in practice, and but I raced and I finished second. So uh, the doctor said he didn't want me to race uh, in Philip Island, but I said well, I, can't, I can't do that. No. I said that's just not on. <laughs> so the, listen, this is a true story. Yeah. Uh, so I said, uh, all right. And the doctor said, you're not going to make it. So I said, all right, I'll go out and do five laps for the race and keep the fans happy, and then I'll pull in. He goes, okay. So I had uh, 25 injections in my wrist, small, oh, wow. small painkilling injections and some uh, tablets. <clears throat> so I was kind of loaded up for the pain. And on my right wrist too, my, 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 um, there, yeah. my throttle wrist. And uh, I went, okay, the plan is I'm going to go there and just do five laps and pull in, you know. Yeah. And, and then the race started and then I was dicing with Mick and, and then I see Mick starting to disappear. My wrist was getting sore and, and I couldn't keep up and I went, you know, I, I'm not going to make yeah. this. And yeah. then I went, wow, but now I have to give my crown up to Mick and... <laughs> And I went, no, I'm not, yeah, the competitive juices and, uh, yeah, I'm not going to let that happen. So I kind of bit the bullet and uh, decided that I was going to fight through the pain and um, I rested my hand um, down the throttle down the straights at 330 kilometres an hour, resting my fingers, trying to get the feeling back in my fingers so I could feel the front brake. And then once I did that for, you know, five or seven or something laps and then I thought, ah, it's coming back. Actually, it feels not so bad. And then I then put my head down to see if I could catch up the three or four seconds I guess I'd lost. And um, and I just – and then I decided that it was one of those um, special moments where I convinced myself that it doesn't hurt. And I I just said, okay, here we go. 
when the pain happens, it doesn't hurt. When the pain happens, it doesn't hurt. I'm going to deal with it after, deal with it after, after the race. And I just went through that barrier and uh, had this sort of out-of-body experience that, yeah, here I we go, that, I'm, that, yeah. and, I'm, and I pushed through it and something else came over me and I just kept riding on another level that I didn't think that I had. And I caught and passed Mick. Uh, and when I passed him, the fairing was broken on my bike and it was half hanging off. So the draft of the bike was sort of sucking you in. When I passed Mick, the vacuum of the, uh, the, the, the marshals are talking about actually black flagging me because the fairing was dragging on the ground. Right. But they held off because it was Wayne Gardner. He was yeah. fighting for the lead. So it was a bit like the Wacky Races. It was a bit like <laughs> Wacky Races, man. And I love that TV show. Yeah. Um, it, it was dragging on the ground. I didn't know that. I was just going as hard as I could. However, the bike was kind of steering left down the straight. It wanted to go towards the infield. But I just kept, kept everything trying tidy and smooth as possible. Past Mick kept my head down and put, and put my head with it, two or three laps to go. I made a gap on him and tried not to make a mistake, uh, pushing as hard as I could. And yeah, mixed very fast. Yeah. And, uh, and I managed to go on and uh, win story, by, mate. I don't know, half a second or a second or something. So uh, pretty special moment in my life and to back it up on, on the 89 victory. Mate, that's, that's an amazing story. And I think I, I can relate to that being a cricketer, but the, the times when you think you're not quite right or you're not feeling well or your preparation hasn't been perfect and you actually convince yourself, as you said, to push through those whatever issues they are with us mentally, physically, and then you, you come through it. Uh, it's yeah, very but, satisfying. Yeah, it is. It is satisfying. But, you know, I, I went in there with the objective to, to actually stop after five. Yeah. But... but the the, the pride yeah, the pride right. and yeah. the, you know this place is here because of my career and because of my mm. following my pride was I'm stubborn and yeah. um, and I went no I'm going to give it my best shot I'm going to give it everything so obviously I went on to victory and the Monday morning I flew back to Sydney after the partying and the celebrations yeah. and so on and it was one of those really really special moments in my life and probably one of the special moments personally because I was riding injured and I shouldn't have been mm. riding so one of my mates on Monday morning rang me, um, Didier Rodriguez, and he, who's another writer, and he said, oh, have you had your wrist checked? I said, no, 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 I haven't. He said, oh, he said, if I was you, I'd get it checked. Sure. So when I arrived in Sydney, I went to North Shore Hospital, and um, I went to see a specialist, and, um, and I, he said, and they put under an X-ray and had yeah. a look, and he said, uh, get into bed and I said what do you mean he goes oh, it's, it's very very serious he yeah. said you got to, you're going to lose the use of your wrist completely Jeez. for the rest of your life if we don't do something like now and I went oh really so I got into bed and um, woke up the next morning and as you can see by the scar yeah, on my yeah, wrist massive scar, um, yeah. and they and what happened is my um, scaphoid bone had broken in half uh, oh. two weeks before and the massive load that goes through your body when you're riding these bikes because you're under braking two two and a half G so it's it, it's been a real punishment for the injury and uh, and they operated and I woke up in the morning and they'd opened me up on my hip and got a hammer and chisel and chiseled off pieces off my off my pelvis bone and they packed it into my wrist and put a, a thing called a herbert screw with a left yeah. and right um, screw into it yeah. and they pulled it together and I woke up um, I wasn't sure what hurt more my he wrist hit, yeah. it was hung up in a sling yeah. or where they'd been built me with a hammer and chisel you know in my in my pelvis and I said what happened last night I got hit by a train or something <laughs> so anyway the, the good news was I had a couple of days there and and um 
it was my that was my way of celebrating the victory and uh, I got out Good and idea. at least it was done then you know and and it's never been really a problem after that and in fact the screw is still in there and as you can see by yes. the scar we're here on a super yacht at Monaco so for lunch which is downstairs today we have some amazing catering going on um, both Wayne and I are looking after our weight, he told me. Um, so we're going to the fish. Um, they're doing a very, very good John Dory fillet here uh, with a nice salad. Um, and of course, being in France, we're going to have a Chablis to wash it down. Can't wait for that one. Have you heard about Cell AED? It's the world's first mini personal defibrillator. You can keep it at home, the office, or even your sports bag. Cell AED is game-changing technology that you can use if someone has sudden cardiac arrest, which can affect anyone from kids on the sporting field to adults at home. Sudden cardiac arrest happens suddenly with no warning. You only have minutes to get the defibrillator on the person affected. That's where Cell AED comes in. You can help save the life of someone you love. Every home should have a Cell AED. It's really a lifesaver. Learn more at cellaed.io. That's C-E-L-L-A-E-D.io. If you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure, then join the Osher Group. They exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like. Australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth. Through a strategic, well-managed and data-driven approach, there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio. Find the Osher Group online at theoshergroup.com. You were, we were saying off air before, so you, you've spent like your whole career over doing over 300 kilometres an hour. Yeah. And you said you broke, you've broken 40 to 50 or fractures or bones over the years. So, so how's your body now overall? Yeah, I don't have an exact number, but yeah. I, I kind of did a calculation one day and, you know, multiple fractures all yeah. over. Um, nothing, 40, 40 to 50, somewhere in there. Um, it's a and, lot. But they were, yeah, they were animals, those bikes, and they're oh, yeah. highly fast. Um, and, you know, but I had good doctors around me, and I was also motivated to get off my butt and get back on the bike as soon as possible. And ask guys, us bike riders, MotoGP riders, we're maniacs because we we do anything for pain um, or deal with the pain to get everything done, the, the job dusted, you know. So uh, you push your way through it. And how am I now? Um, I'm surprisingly really good. You, you seem pretty good. No, I'm surprisingly good. I've had fractured legs yeah. and ankles and wrists, as you can see, and yep. collarbones. And uh, <laughs> I actually had an x-ray the day, my first time ever. On my spine, yep. and I've got—I didn't know that I've had three, three fractures. fractures in my yeah. back. In my back, so I've had the guy doctor said to me, he said, "You know, you had three times a broken back." Yeah. I went, "Really?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." I said, "I didn't know." He said, "Can you touch your toes?" I went, "Yeah." He yeah. said, "Wow." He said, "You have any problems with?" It? I said, "No." He said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I go to the gym and I exercise." Yeah. He said, "Keep doing it because yeah. you should be more crippled up than what you are." And I don't have a problem. No, so, like you know, it's a, I think two things. One is exercise and one is, uh, as you get older, you've got to stretch more. Yeah, I agree. And, and three, you've got to have a positive mind. Yeah, yeah. Now, you, you mentioned um, your sons before, Remy and Luca, and Remy was a um, uh, world champion. Uh, um, Moto2. Um, yes. Moto2, yeah. But um, how do you, um, you're talking about all the injuries that you had, and then you see your sons riding off 
at speed, did you feel fear for them, or how did oh, you feel as a dad? Absolutely, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I discouraged them as much as I could. Yep. Because I know what the sport takes. It, yeah. It's it's a body killer, and any of the GP riders have injuries that are ongoing forever. Um, uh, but as I said, I think I found the solution through constant exercise. Yeah. However, you know, um, I know, for example, Christian Saron. He's been and had back operations. I know that some of them have had hand operations. Yeah. They've got fingers missing. Um, Mick, Mick Doohan, he's got, uh, you know, smashed up legs. Uh, his ankle doesn't work anymore. So it's everyone's got problems <laughs> that they take with them. Um, I Obviously, I try to protect my children like every parent would. But you, but you think because you said before you're very stubborn and the fact that you try and say to them, I don't want you to do it, then they probably did do it. <laughs> Unfortunately, they've got my genes, you know. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't tell them. Yeah. Um, Remy wanted to, Remy's Remy's like me. He wants to prove a point. Yep. Uh, and um, he's he's very stubborn. Um, but you know, however, he's lost his direction at the moment. But but you know, you've got to have this stubborn attitude. Um, you've got to be you. You've got to have the passion that's uh, I will win at any any cost. You do, mate. Um, w- within limits, you know what I mean. Yeah. With it, with it, without obviously getting your life taken. But it's a very exciting sport. It's very thrilling. It's very exciting. Um, I think there's no other sport like it, and it's amazing TV to watch. It is. And for anyone who hasn't watched MotoGP racing, it's or been there to see it how fast they are. Uh, their top speed now is like 370, Jeez. 80 kilometers an hour. It's insane, and and every year they're going another, you know, three, four, five kilometers out faster. So, the sports um, really, truly is faster than Formula One. The corner speed on Formula One's uh, greater because yep. they're on four sure, wheels. Yes, but in top speed and acceleration, MotoGP strips them, you know, big time. So we're here on behalf of Sports.com, and I know you're you're going to become involved with them moving forward, um, which is really really exciting. But where do you see motor racing as a whole, both MotoGP and and Formula One going in the future? Can can it is it sustainable? Um, the growth because it seems to be getting bigger and bigger year on year. Is, is, is there going to be a ceiling? Well, there is. or it's, It has been growing for a long, yeah. long, long, long yeah. time. I think the huge growth now, because we've been in COVID for three, four years, yep. um, I think that everyone's enthusiastic yes, about it. To get back to they, the track. They've, been, they've been on a diet of watching it yeah. on TV. Yeah, There's well been said. nothing, watching yep. old races, yep. uh, cars, bikes, or whatever. And I think that everyone's... And now Formula One have brought out new packages in, in their marketing yep. and how they're selling it to the audience, uh, MotoGP is as well. Um, so I think that it's kind of like, uh, you know, in a sense, COVID was probably a good thing for motorsport because people realise that they missed that and they want to be part of it. So that's why I wanted to come this year because I knew it was going to be a huge yeah, year here, yeah. you know? That's what's well said. Um, because it's, 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 it's truly on and it's huge here, as you can probably see by the amount of boats and people. So <laughs> I think the future is very, very big for the mm. sport. I always think that, you know, I always wanted to be part of MotoGP. Yes. Um, because I think, and I've seen it prior to Dorna buying it, and I was friends with Bernie Eccleston. And, yep. um, and so I was always interested in the business behind the scene so when i see dawna got it I, you know i watched and they've done a great job to grow it and uh and they put a really good package and with a lot of funding behind it and now they've got some more marketing people i hear from formula one as well yeah. so i think that both the four wheels and the two wheels the pinnacle of four wheels and two wheels 
have got a good package together now and um, uh, and in a small way um, uh, apart from my son being involved yeah. in the past but in a small way I'm involved now with uh, with sports.com yeah fantastic mate. and I, I was laughing before you um, we got on the, we're on a beautiful big super yacht here and you got two of your mates over from Australia the two marks uh, yeah two, two Aussies, well, it's mate. mark one mark two I call them and, <laughs> or it should be Mac one and, Mac one and, two. and they reckon well mark one said he's um, he's just uh, been made redundant he says he's living with you now do you know about that oh yeah well, I've, um, I've adopted them actually uh, yeah I've got a, a couple of places over here and um, uh, and uh, they're living down with me in my apartment down in Cannes and, Fantastic, uh, mate. and and up here as well in Monaco so uh, yeah, no, they're good, my, my good friends, and they're having a good time, and uh, I'm showing them the ropes and yeah. trying to keep them out of trouble. Well you know, so. Mate, Wayne, I, I want to thank you, first of all, for coming on uh, the podcast, but I want to thank you um, being a boy from Wollongong. I was a few years younger. You were a real idol for me growing up. Um, my, I was younger or you were younger? Yeah, well, yeah. See, good, Nick. He's also, he's also very cheeky. But, um, but um, you, you were a guy that Who's showed... Who's got the most grey hair, may I say? Ah, <laughs> uh, me. Yeah. But you, you're a guy that showed me as a young kid from Wollongong um, that uh, the, the world is a lot bigger than that that, that little area. And you, and you showed me that to, to dream big, which I did. So I want to thank you for that, mate. That's oh, amazing. my pleasure. Me, that's yeah. true. I, 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 that's one, some of my rules or inspirational you know, chats that I give to yeah. seminars and to people. And groups and so on, but the world's a small place. It is. Uh, and reach for the stars yeah. because if you have big enough dreams, most important thing is you've got to start off with a huge dream. Yeah. And it may you may not achieve everything, but if you start reaching for the stars, you'll at least get halfway. Yeah. You know, at least, and and if not more. And if you're and you're very determined, like I am, and you know, life's. It's there's, it's not easy to be successful. No, you got to go out and put the hard work in. Yep, do everything. And if you put the hard work in and you dream big, yeah, life life gives you the rewards. It does. It does. You it know. It does. Well, you're a superstar. You got way more than halfway, mate. We're really proud of you. Thanks, <laughs> Thank mate. you. Thank anyway, you, Scott. No worries. Pleasure. That's it for lunch with Lee this week. A big thank you goes out to our guest Wayne Gardner, the Wollongong Whiz Kid. What an absolute gentleman. Thanks to our sponsor, Cell AED, and thanks to Rode for supplying the amazing equipment for us to record these interviews for the Monaco series. Make sure you hit follow on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and do us a favour, hit five stars, and if you're there and you're passionate, please leave a review. Our official Lunch with Lee photography is done by Felicity Kelly. You can find her on, on Instagram at Felicity Kelly Portraits. And once again, a thanks to our producer, Dan McHugh. We'll be back with some more from Monaco, from a series where we got to watch the Grand Prix We hung out on a super yacht and we had some very, very good food and drank some good wine. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. (laughs)